Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. How many of you wear some kind of like corrective lens, like glasses, I can see you, but how many of you wear contacts, corrective lens, how many of you, awesome, how many of you, if we took those off or like took them out of your eyeballs, you can't see anything? Raise your hands. How many of you know you probably need something, you just drive around like dangerous, right? Let me, let me tell you about a time where I realized I'm blind, okay? Um, I was an intern for a youth minister in East Texas named Cam Reynolds, and, and uh, he's like, hey, man, will you drive me to um, down Washington Street? There's a little store there. I said, yeah, man, jump in. So we're driving, and, and we're talking, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, Washington, and like turned really sharp because I was about to miss it. He freaked out. This is his first time, like my boss riding with me. He's like, Donnie, what are you doing? I was like, man, I, I, I was going to miss Washington, man. I, I'm sorry. He's like, Donnie, do you, do you really think we're on Washington? I was like, yeah, man, the sign, like I saw it late. I'm sorry. He's like, dude, you can't see. I was like, no, I know. I saw it late. He's like, no, you can't see. We're on Fifth Avenue, bro. We're not even near Washington Street. And I was like, no way. So he starts like, all right, what does that sign say? And you know, you got that little squint going, right? And I was like, oh, it says this. He's like, all right, dude, I, I'm a, have you ever had your eyes checked? And I'm from, I'm from this like, we don't check our eyes. You know what I'm saying? And so like, no, I've never had my eyes checked. And so he said, man, I'm taking you to the best place in the nation to get your eyes checked. And y'all probably know where I'm talking about right? Sam's Club, right? So, so we go to Sam's Club, right? And uh, they, they check my eyes. It took me 40 minutes to put my contacts in, right? Like, if anyone else been there, like, tears are flowing down my eyes, like, my, my hand was shaking. Finally, I got them in, and nothing seemed different. I was like, man, like, this is a waste of my time, waste of money, and my friend Cam was like, go outside. So I walked out the door, because you know, like, they have, like, their own little door, you know, at Sam's Club. So I go out the door, and my whole world changed. Literally, like, things that I, like, I've always seen that tree, but now I see the leaves, and, and like, guys, I cried. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like, I literally cried, like, what is happening? Went back into Sam's. I saw the little dangling things that say what's down the aisle. I've just been guessing my whole life, you know? Like, and so, like, it changed everything for me. Like, when, when, when you get your, um, your, your vision focused, all of a sudden, things become different. And today we're going to be looking at Paul, and, and Paul finds himself in a very difficult circumstance. Literally, just a very dark, unknown of what's going to happen next. But his vision is so focused on Christ that it seems like it doesn't matter. And, and so today we're going to see, like, how, how do we have this, this focus like Paul that ultimately leads to having joy in no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, the good, the bad, or the ugly? And so I'm really excited. I'm going to give you my, my, my big idea for the day. Here it is if you're taking notes. When we find joy in our circumstance, when we refocus on Jesus. In other words, when, when you take your eyes off of yourself, when you take your eyes off of what's happening around you and refocus them back onto Jesus, back onto the gospel, everything changes. And that's where joy is found. And so I want to pray for us this morning because I'm excited about the word. You're excited about the second week Super Bowl. Let's refocus together and uh, let's see what God has for us this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Um, God, I, I, 
I'm just excited to brag on you this morning, what you're doing in the college ministry. But God, I, I'm more excited about what it is you have for us right now through the book of Philippians. God, I pray that all of us as believers, that we would um, see Paul and, and see his vision and see um, his mission and how he didn't let anything stop him from praising you and having joy. And I pray that for us this morning, that we would um, really consider what it is our heart is focused on, God. I pray that if someone here doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, that they would handle business today, that you would break down walls, that you'd break down doubts, and that you would move in a mighty way. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. amen. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 12 through 26. We'll give you a little context. Um, last week, Josh told us that Paul finds himself locked up in prison, and he's writing this letter um, to the church in Philippi, his church family. He loves them. He's trying to encourage them while he's in, in, in prison. But here's what we do know is that this was not Paul's plans to begin with, right? Paul's plan was, hey, I'm going to go around preaching the gospel. I'm going to plant churches. It's going to be awesome. Lives are going to be changed. And then all of a sudden, here he is right? He finds himself in prison. Now, what could have happened is that this could have been a very crippling moment for Paul, where Paul is in doubt, and he's depressed, and, and, and all of a sudden, ministry just kind of is on the back burner, like, man, maybe I should just lay low. They'll let me out, and I'll go to a different town, and, and you know, and then maybe we'll pick the mission up. But what I want you to see is that it's actually the opposite. Actually, what happens is, is Paul views his life in a completely different way and, and views his circumstances in a very different way. So look at verse 12 with me. It says this, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Now I want to stop there for a minute because I love that phrase. What has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Now we know that ultimately Paul's entire life was full of ups and downs. Right? This brother was shipwrecked. He was whipped. He was isolated. He was beaten. He was left for dead multiple times, multiple occasions, all for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, you, you talk about like roller coaster ups and downs of life. Paul experienced that. And so he's writing to his friends, like, hey, what has actually happened to me is probably different than what you're thinking. Right? Because if we naturally think about this, even his friends in Philippi are like, man, Paul's locked up. That's our, that's our leader. Right? Like, what's going to happen to the mission? They're probably having doubts. Like, I don't want to get locked up. I don't want to, you know, eventually, like, I don't want to be, like, whipped for the God. Like, and, and so there's, there's probably some doubt creeping in because that's natural. It's natural to think that when bad things happen to us, we, we get kind of consumed by them. And all we see is like, man, this is really, really bad. But Paul says this, actually, me being locked up, me experiencing this hardship, what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel forward. Because that's what the gospel does. It's actually advanced the gospel forward. Here's what I want you to know. Obviously, we're not chained to a Roman guard right now, right? Like, we're not in a, a Roman prison cell. Like, we're, we're not that. But here's what I do know about life and about everyone in this room. Some of us probably this morning are in some very hard circumstances. Some of you probably this week got the phone call you didn't want to get. Some of you right now, you're battling things that you've been battling for a while, and you're starting to question, when is, this, when is the struggle going to end? Now, just life in general, we, I know some of you, your marriage, like, you're, you're hurting right now. Financially, some of you have this struggle. I get that. Some of you, you're good. Like, life is, is good, and, and you're okay. But I know some of us in here, 
you are struggling. You, you might be facing a loss. You might be facing some drama. You might be facing what, what I like to call this um, blows from life that's trying to like, beat you down. But from what Paul just said, I want you to see that sometimes your hardships is the very thing that God is trying to use to take the gospel to the next person. That what God is trying to do with your hardships is take your testimony, take the things that you've learned, and you take that to the next person. Paul said, what has actually happened to me has advanced the gospel. How? Look at verse 12. We're going to go down to 14. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what's happened to me has advanced the gospel so that it has become known. The gospel is being known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. So because Paul's locked up, because he's experiencing what he didn't plan for, all of a sudden two big things are happening. The first big thing that's happening is that the gospel's being spread all over the place. Literally, the gospel, like, I want you to think about Paul, who is a Jew-turned-Christian, should have never been in the same, like, circle as these Roman guards. But because he's locked up, literally at times chained to someone, chained to a car, can't go anywhere, he has the ability to share the gospel with him, right? Josh said last week, like, Paul gets kind of weird. He just starts singing in jail, and, like, guards get saved. They take him to their family, and they get saved, and they go to the next family, and the next family. The gospel just kind of trickles out from this, like, this, what we would see as a bad situation that Paul is in. And the second thing that's happening, not just the gospels expanding, but the people on the outside, even those who are believers on the inside, believers all over are just getting fired up. They're getting bold about sharing the gospel with people. And you would think that it would be the opposite, right? That we would kind of like, like lean back a little bit, like let's just let everything settle down, then we'll, we'll get bold. But Christians get weird, right? It's like when we face persecution, we just get really bold and weird and like even go even further, right? They burn that church down, let's plant four more churches, right? They get martyred over here, let's send more missionaries and more money. Let's pray harder for those people. So like in the times, in the face of, of, of hard circumstances, man, the, the body of Christ, man, we get bold and we move forward. It, it makes me think about studying this week, this everything that's happening in the Middle East and in, in, in Afghanistan, Right, what, what seems like, man, it's a dark, scary situation. And, and we're praying, and like, and it's just hard. Like what, like, what do you do when you see that much darkness, right? But like, here's my hope, and, and, and the gospel's track record kind of backs this up, is my hope is that one day we are going to see the gospel advance to the Middle East. That was like a dark situation now. Soon, people will be proclaiming the name of Jesus confessing that Jesus is Lord. Why? Because that's what the gospel does. It advances no matter what circumstance they find themselves in. The gospel always moves forward. For Paul, he's like, man, what's actually happened to me is advancing the gospel. Now, let me, let me brag on, the, on, your, on your college students one more time. So we've had um, four Thursday nights this semester, right? That's it, just four, um, and, and we're excited. Like we're, we're still moving forward in the semester. But every week, uh, I send out, like, hey, guys, here's the lesson for Thursday night. Here's, like, the big idea. Um, does anyone have a testimony that relates to that and wants to just, like, boldly proclaim it? Like, just jump up on stage and just share your testimony, right? And that's like me telling you guys, like, hey, who wants to come up here right now and share your faith? That's, that's kind of scary, but each week, a college student steps up. And man, they share some hard stuff. 
They, like, like they, don't, they don't water things down. Um, I, I'm going to brag on one specifically. Her name is Alizé. Um, she's from Texas, a Texas girl um, at CBC. And uh, man, um, her testimony, I said like, hey, um, Nathan's actually going to preach this week. He's preaching on doubt. And what do we do with our doubt? Man, we push harder into Jesus. And does anyone have a testimony about a time that, that you had some doubt and you pressed through? And she said, I, I'm having that right now. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, man, Sunday night, um, I had a friend who was critically injured in our car accident, and, and I boldly prayed, God, heal her. And I went to bed knowing he's going to do it. And woke up Monday and found out she had passed. Tuesday, my car broke down. Wednesday, I, I called second fam members and, and went to them and said, this is what I'm struggling with. I'm doubting, and I, I need prayer, and, and they prayed for me. And Thursday night, she shared that testimony. That's what the gospel does. The gospel always advances. Sometimes the things that you go through, it's not even about you, but it's something that God's trying to use to take the gospel to the next person. Here's what I want you to understand, is that, that sometimes your um, past hardships are someone's current reality, and they need to know that you've been through it and that God pulled you through. Sometimes your current struggle, what you're struggling with right now, is going to be someone's future reality, and they need to see someone struggle through it with joy and hope in Jesus Christ. Paul said, what has actually happened to me was advancing the gospel and helping everyone else become bold in their faith. So the question is, like, how, how can someone experience what Paul did, still praise Jesus in the middle of all of it? Right? How, how, how was Paul able to look past what was actually happening to him and, and have this joy? Point number one, if you're taking notes, is very simple. Paul's mind was mission over circumstances. Mission over circumstance. Paul did not allow what was happening around him to dictate what mission he was on. He did not allow him, uh, his vision of Jesus, Jesus being the center of it all, his heart, his mind, his life, to be clouded by circumstances around him. And here's how we know that. Look at verse 20 and 21. Paul says this, that my eager expectation and hope, this is what I'm expecting, this is what my hope is in, is that I am not, that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like, y'all, this, this, this is his whole hope, his greatest mission, that Christ be highly honored in his body, whether by life or by death. That was his mission. I want to lift the name of Christ as highly as I can. No matter what that brings upon me, no matter what I find myself in, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You can throw me in jail. Guess what? I'm still about that mission. I'm still about it. And guys, that's where we see Paul. So the question is like, how do we get to that point? Like, how do we get to that point where, where we find ourselves in the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever situation we, it is, how do we get to the point where we don't allow outside things to dictate what mission we're actually on? If you're taking notes, point number two is this is how we must refocus on Jesus. We must refocus on Jesus. Listen, like what tends to happen when we experience 
the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is in life, um, what tends to happen is all of a sudden we become um, the main focus of the story, right? And it's natural. Like, like, look at all the bad that's happening to me. Why is this happening to me? And, and it's kind of like not the victim, but that's kind of what we become. Like, like, oh, poor me, pity me. And like, I'm not trying to water down anything that you're going through. Some of you, like I said, I know, like second fam, some of you are really struggling right now. But what tends to happen is we become the center focus of everything. And when that happens, of course, that's why we don't have joy, because we're not that awesome. Right? Like we're not. And so when, when we're focused, though, when we refocus on Jesus and less on ourselves, all of a sudden things begin to change. That's when you experience the real joy. Why? Because your focus is on where the real joy comes from. Jesus. Not yourself. And when you're focused on Jesus, your heart and your mind becomes so centered on, I am going to live for him. Now, it would be wicked of me to say, when you focus your life on Christ, nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. Like, that, that's wicked. That's, that is the farthest thing from the truth. I'm going to tell you lovingly, if you center your heart on Jesus, you give him your life, right? Bad things are still going to happen to you because we live in a broken, sinful world. But with Jesus, it's different. It's different. And we're going to get to that in a second, but, but Paul says this, to live is Christ. His life wasn't to live is Paul. His life wasn't to live is to make money. To live is to make sure I'm nice and comfy for me. To live is to paint this picture that I've got it all together, that I have no baggage, I'm not messy. For me to live is, is Paul. He doesn't say that. What he shows us is this picture of what happens to someone when they are transformed from the inside out by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Y'all remember who Paul is, right? Paul, before he re, he's writing these letters to churches, was this highly overzealous religious man who hated Jesus, hated the Christians that followed him, and wanted everything inside of him, like, burned with, I'm going to make this stop. This gospel thing, it's over. Until the gospel of Jesus Christ smacked him upside the head, flipped his whole life around, and now he's in prison singing songs going, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is the power of the gospel. He knows that Jesus died for him, and because of that, he's going to live for Jesus. The power of the gospel. And just to explain what gospel is, most of you grew up in church, maybe you didn't, but, but if, if life is, is a movie, how many, like anyone just love movies? I love movies, right? Uh, if life is a movie, the best movies have a hero and a villain, right? How many of you are Marvel fans? Right? I love Marvel, right? How many of you are like me, where Captain America does something, and you're like, oh, yeah, and like you're, you're kind of reenacting it, right? Like Thor's hammer, and, and you're like, how many of you, when you were younger, watched Power Rangers? Like, I was the Red Power Ranger, right? How many of you were the Red Power Ranger, be honest? None of you, because I am the Red Power Ranger, right? And so, like, we, we always tend to put ourselves in, in the story of history as the hero, right? The story is about me. I am the good guy. Bad things happen to me. But in reality, the story of the gospel is we are not the hero. Matter of fact, we're not even the main character. If anything, we're more of the villain because of our rebellion, because of our sin, because of the tendencies that we have to go, I make a better God than God himself, and I'm going to do my own thing. That makes us the villain in the movie. 
But the beautiful thing about the gospel is, is that the hero, Jesus himself, comes down to this broken, rebellious world, lives like us, but perfectly tempted in every way that we were, yet never felt something that we can't even fathom what feels like. And not only did he come to live amongst us, he came to die for us to take his perfect resume in exchange for our imperfection on the cross, die, bury, and rise again so that we, the villains, could have life. No other story has the hero dying for the villain. No other religion has God coming down to us. And yet here is Jesus. Why? Because he loves you. He cares for you. He created you. He wants you not to experience the bad things on your own, but have joy because of him being with you. That is the gospel message. And when you experience that, as Paul did, the phrase, for me to live is Christ, is just natural. Like, absolutely, 100%. Jesus died for me and rose again for me and saved me and redeemed me. For me to live is Christ. Let me ask you, though. For you, how would you finish that statement? For you, the statement, for me to live is, is what? Is it for you, for me to live is money? If so, brother, you're going to die in debt. If for you, for me to live is, is power and control, sister, listen to me, you're going to die alone. If, if for you, for me to live is popularity, I want people to like me, that, that sounds exhausting because it, it's never going to work. If for you, for, for me to live is, is comfort. Y'all listen to me. I don't care how big your house gets, how nice your truck gets. I don't care how fluffy your bank account gets. The casket can only be padded so much. If you're chasing comfort, it, the casket only gets padded so much. For me to live is what? What would be your answer in that? For Paul, he says, for me to live is Christ. I want you to see what he says next because it's really important. Look at verse 22. He says, for if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. And I don't know which one I should choose, right? That's a little side note. Paul's not being suicidal in these next moments, right? He's in prison and he likely knows like, I'm more than likely going to get out, stay in, or I'm going to be killed, okay? And so he's like, what is my preference? He says in 23, I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, amen, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I'm persuaded of this, I know I will remain and continue to be with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. So here's what we see, right? He doesn't know what's going to happen to him next, but his preference is like, hey, I'm torn between the two. I would rather depart and be with Christ, right? And I get that, right? I've, I've done prison ministry where we've gone in, like, I'd rather be with Christ than in prison. I, I get that. Um, but for Paul, I, I want you to see what he says. Like, if I, if I live, that just means I get to do more ministry for you, Right? It's not like, if I get to live, I'm going to go do what I want, freedom, let's go. He says, if I get to live, then I'm just going to focus on helping you progress in your faith, helping you find joy. Or if I die in this place, 
I'm going to depart and go with Jesus. Like, yeah, awesome. Either way, and like as believers, we get that, but I, I want to pause and just notice something that Paul did not say. Paul did not say, I long to depart and go to heaven. If you're with me, say I'm with you. Here's what he did say. He did not say, I long to depart and go to heaven. Now we know heaven's going to be awesome, right? Streets of gold, right? No tears, no pain. Um, when I was in the seventh grade, my Sunday school teacher, God bless his soul, like he was just like a good old redneck country boy who just loved Jesus and, and like just, just loved on us. He was awesome, right? His name was Dondi Shepherd. That's his name, Dondi. You can look it up. Um, just redneck guy from Keys, California, all right? Um, and Dondi one time had us close our eyes. He says, hey, I want you to experience, like, or I want you to think about what is the most awesome thing, if you can just create it, it's like, what was the most awesome thing that you can just create? And so I'm like, all right. So I'm thinking, I was like, all right, it has something to do with a skateboard, because I love skateboarding, right? It's my seventh grade brain. Something to do with Red Bull, because I already, like, addicted to energy drinks. I'm only in the seventh grade. It's awesome. And so he's like, now I want you to think, what is heaven going to be like? And I was like, okay. And so I'm thinking, man, it would be really awesome in heaven to, to have a never-ending flowing fountain of Red Bull. That all I got to do is like scroll, like roll up on my skateboard with my cup, dip it in, drink it. It's awesome, right? There's like skate park right next to it in heaven. I'm skating with Jesus on streets of gold. And then he said, now I want you to know heaven is a hundred times better than that. And I was like, my mind exploded, right? Like a hundred more Red Bull fountains, a hundred more skate parks. Like, let's go. Like, I know what he was trying to do, but that's where my brain went, okay? I doubt anyone else in that room, that's where their brain went. But like, we're, we're excited about heaven and as well we should be, right? Like, like heaven is a, is a beautiful place that, that there's no pain, there's no death. But listen to me. As we run this race in the Christian life, the end goal isn't to get to heaven. Joy is not found in a place. Joy is found in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And so if we're just longing to get to heaven and Jesus is not there, we're going to miss out on the greatest thing that God wants us to experience, and that's Jesus himself. Now we have this promise right here, right now, for anyone who would repent, literally turn away from their sins, and surrender their life to Jesus. The Bible promises when you do that, not, you don't have to wait till you die to experience God. You don't have to wait till you die to have joy. Why? Because the Bible says God makes his home in you through his Holy Spirit. That the Spirit of God literally dwells inside of the believer. And that right there is how we experience joy here and now in the good and the bad and the ugly. We don't have to wait to go to heaven. Paul says, I, I long to depart and be with Christ because in my last breath, like, that, it's Jesus. I want more of him. So he says, like, for me to live is, is Christ. I have him now. He's with me in this jail cell. I'll sing because he's with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. But, he says, to die is what? Game. Why? Because I get more Jesus. It's either way, I'm winning. You can lock me up. Jesus is with me. Hallelujah. Sing songs. Hey, do you know Jesus? If I die, hallelujah, praise God. Here is my Savior, and I'm with him for all eternity. God, that is where joy comes from. So as, as believers, for, for you, if you are a believer in Jesus today, part of having that joy now is us refocusing our vision back to the one who died, 
resurrected and lives for us, who gives us new life, who redeems us. And knowing that even in the good and the bad, he is always going to be with us. That in our weakness, the Bible promises, his strength is made perfect. And so I, I don't let things dictate my mission. But also, like, when I die, praise God, like, I'm going to be with Christ. And that focusing on Jesus, that's when joy really kicks in. When we stop viewing ourselves as the hero and we stop viewing our circumstances as something that's, oh, look at what's happening to me, and, and, and we lay aside our preferences and we, and we look to serve others before serving ourselves and help them get closer to Jesus. When our mission is about making much of Christ, making him known and serving others, that's when joy really takes over. Why? Because it's no longer about us, but it all is about Jesus. Our big idea, one more time for you guys. We find joy in our circumstances when we refocus on Christ, on Jesus. Because when you take your eyes off yourself and what's happening around you, and you refocus them back onto Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Uh, I want to tell y'all a, a quick story. Um, I was able to take my wife on a date because she's awesome, and we go on dates, right? We try to as much as we can. And so we went to Little Rock to throw axes. Has anyone ever, ever thrown an axe, like, on purpose, like, at a target? And, like, anyone throw an axe before? Raise your hand, right? There's a cool place in Little Rock. There's a place here in Conway. It was just closed when we had a babysitter, and so it happens like that. So we went to Little Rock, and, man, it was awesome, right? We were there, and we're trying, and, and like, there's wood chips everywhere. It's hot, and, but, like, man, we're having fun. And all of a sudden, though, I, I noticed something in my wife that, like, I don't think I've ever really noticed before, right? Like, my, she's from Texas, okay? So she has this fire in her. Um, obviously, the, the football team didn't have that fire last night, but my, <laughs> sorry, sorry. But my wife has, right? She's from Texas. She has this fire, and all of a sudden, like, she started getting really good at this, right? And, and I wasn't. I was struggling, and I was getting kind of mad, and all of a sudden, like, I really saw something change in her eyes, and all of a sudden, it wasn't like, oh, she's stuck, and now it's like, bullseye, bullseye, and her face is getting aggressive, and I'm like, man, did I make her mad? Like, do I need to apologize for, for something? Like, did I say something on the way here? But, but all of a sudden, both of us, man, we, we were having so much fun, and like, our hands were hurting, we were sweaty, but Right, okay, let's, let's just get really focused on the bullseye because that's our target. And so let's, let's focus on that. And so we start practicing and we're focusing in and all of a sudden it like clicked for us, right? And I want to show you some, some evidence of one, my wife, um, but also like what happens when you, when you focus in. Y'all check this video out. Y'all yep. <laughs> see it in her eyes? Like, there's a, some a little, little scary there, but man, and all of a sudden, like when, when you focus in on the target, like it, it, everything else around you, the wood chips, it's hot, your hands hurt. All of a sudden, all that goes away and all you can really see is your, your target. And all of a sudden, man, you're hitting it and, and nothing else really matters because, I mean, you're dialed in. That's exactly what Paul's showing us today. He said, man, for, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What has actually happened to me is God just using it to advance the gospel forward. Paul was not letting anything dictate his mission on making Jesus known. Paul's not letting anything dictate what his focus is on. 
the good, the bad, the ugly, I get more of Jesus. And so believers, I, I want to ask you this morning, what is your answer to for me to live is what? What is your answer, believer? If it's not Jesus, I'm here to tell you, it's going to let you down. It's going to let you down. If it hasn't already, it's going to. Because there's nothing in this world better than Jesus. Nothing. The world can offer up the very best thing it can. Like, here it is. In all of the world, in all of the universe, here is the best thing, and Jesus is still better than that best thing. So believer, if, if your answer is anything, and we have to examine this, like, you have to examine your heart right now. For me to live is what? If it's not Jesus, man, make today the day you refocus your life. Maybe a different term you know from, from being in church. Maybe today is a rededication day. And there's nothing embarrassing about that. Y'all listen to disciples. You read the gospels over and over. Jesus has to like smack them with the gospel time and time again. Constantly refocusing them back on to himself. So like we're all in the same boat. So, so maybe today, believer, maybe today is a day of refocusing, rededicating. You coming before the Lord and going, for me to live was not you. Please forgive me of that. And Jesus, I'm putting you back in the center of my life. That's the only place, brother, sister, listen, that you are ever going to find joy is in the person of Jesus. Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe there's some things that is stopping you from surrendering your life to him. Maybe there's some doubt. Maybe, maybe it's a circumstance that you've been through. And you've wondered, if God is so good, why did this bad thing happen to me? I'm here to tell you, the question's a little backwards there. The bad thing happened to you. What is God doing about it? Well, he sent his son to die for you. And he wants to be with you in those bad things. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.